Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. Have you ever had a hard time believing God? Whenever God promises you he's going to heal you or he's going to help you or deliver you or provide for you, you just have trouble believing him and, and you find yourself doubting him. Well, I'd like you to listen in today because we find some insights from Abraham on how he could easily and naturally believe God. So listen in. I really think this is going to bless you and help you. Today we're going to be looking at how spirit-led people easily believe God and receive from God. All we have to do is look at the example that Abraham set for us, the practice, the habit of believing God that he used all the time, and, uh, and then be inspired ourselves to believe God. Because if you believe God, you're going to be a happier person, you're going to be at rest, uh, you're going to be confident in what you do. And so let's look at Genesis 15 at Abram, Abraham's example and see if it doesn't inspire us to believe God as well. So let me read it. Genesis 15, starting in verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant from my own household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Look at what God told Abram. Don't be afraid. I remember once facing this problem that I had in my own personal life and as I contemplated the problem I, I felt the Holy Spirit whisper me and tell me Steve don't worry and as soon as I heard those words don't worry it that that uh, concern and disturbed sense of being was just lifted right off of me and so here Abram is told the same thing don't be afraid God told him I am your shield. In other words, I'm going to protect you. And it, the neat thing about a spiritual shield is it not only covers the, the, the front side of you, it covers you from behind to the sides above you. It is a complete fortress of protection all around you. That's God's shield. God also told him that he was his own reward. He was a very great reward to Abram. And that, that word reward, by the way, is compensation. You see, God doesn't only reward you when you go to heaven. He wants to reward you in your lifetime. And not just one time, but many times. God also told him and assured Abram that this Eleazar of Damascus was not going to be his heir. And that he would have a son of his own flesh and blood that would be his heir. And then he went, went on to tell him, your offspring will be as countless as the stars. And you know what? Abram believed God that what God was telling him was, was truth. Have you ever 
told somebody something and they didn't believe you? I'll never forget sitting across the the table at a booth there in a restaurant and telling somebody something and the look in their eyes told me that they didn't believe me. So I just dug in my heels and began to express even more. No, what I was telling them was the truth. And I could see with with every attempt to convince them that they believed me less and less, even though I was being completely honest and telling the truth. I remember how frustrated I felt and even angered that they wouldn't believe me. Can you imagine how God feels when he tells you something and you don't believe him? We've got to believe God. So if God has told you that he's going to save that loved one of yours that you've been praying for for years, He's going to save them. Just believe him. If he's promised you something about your future, he's going to fulfill it. So just believe him. If he's told you he's going to take care of your problem or that need that you have that seems so impossible, he's going to do it. So just believe him. If he said he's going to protect your reputation and your honor, he's going to do it. Just trust him. Believe that God is going to take care of you. So, A spirit-led person believes God. So listen to this, though. You can believe in God. There's several different applications about belief. Okay, you can believe in God. You can believe on God or and you can believe God. So let's let's take this thought of believing in God. All right. There's a lot of people that believe in God. Uh, The Bible even tells us that demons believe in God. That means Satan believes in God. Let me tell you what, if Satan believes in God, you better believe in God as well. All right? But just because you believe in God, that doesn't necessarily mean that your life is going to be turned around. But when you begin to believe on God, that's a different story. All right? When you believe on God, and the King James Version speaks of this, Believe on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Believe on God. In other words, you're you're leaning on him. You're, so to speak, standing on him. He's your foundation. Uh, the Bible also speaks of believing on his miracles in John. So it's one thing to believe in God, but when you start believing on God, that means he's your foundation. But then there's this concept of just simply believing God. That when he tells you something or he promises something, he's going to fulfill it. All right? And so we have got to believe God. When you hear from God, believe him. What does it take to hear from God, though? You know, the Bible says that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Well, to hear from God so that you can believe him, you got to start listening to God. you got to pay attention to him. Now, in order to pay attention to God, that means you got to start valuing him and appreciating him. That means that you want to hear from God. And so in order to believe God, you got to hear something from God. Why do some people have such a hard time believing God? I know I have. Many times I've had a hard time believing God. And why is that? Well, the opposite of believing is doubting. So stated differently, I said, why do some people have such a hard time believing God? Why do we doubt God? Why is it so 
easy for us sometimes to doubt God? Well, it's because we have other sources that we get our answers from and that we get our needs met from. You know, some people, instead of having their sources God, they rely on their talents to meet their needs. Some people, some Christians, rely on their faith, okay, or their prayers to get what they need. And the reality is, it's not your faith or your prayers that get you what you need. It's God. So stop having your source as your faith or your prayer life and start making God your very source. Some people have their studious intellect as their source. Everything that they think uh, comes as an answer is because they're intelligent or what they've studied. You know what? That's not that's not shouldn't be your source. Neither should be your doctors or your medication. Now I'm not demeaning or saying that you shouldn't go to a doctor or you shouldn't take your medication, but if that's your source, you need to unplug from that and plug into God and see what he has to say about your medical conditions. All right? So when I source my answers and my solutions from somewhere other than God, it's going to be really, really hard, really tough for me to believe God. Well, let's look at an example in the New Testament of someone who had trouble believing God, and let's see how Jesus got them to begin to believe him. All right, this the story is told in two different locations in the Bible. One is in Mark 9, verse 22 through 24, and it's this man who was asking Jesus, actually he was first asking Jesus' disciples, but asking Jesus to cast a demon out of his son. His, his son was vexed by a demon. And in Mark 9.22, the man says to Jesus, But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus says, If I can? That was almost insulting to Jesus. He was saying, You don't believe that I can do this? Jesus goes on to say and says, everything is possible for the one who believes. So when you believe, it opens up all kinds of opportunities for God to do miraculous things in your life simply by believing Jesus. But look at what the boy's father says. He says, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Now that same story, so here's the man admitting that he had trouble believing Jesus. But here's the same story in Matthew 17, starting in verse, verse 17, after the disciples admit that they haven't been able to help this man, Jesus says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long will I stay with you? How long will I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he healed and he was healed from that moment forward. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? Jesus replied, because you have so little faith. In other words, you don't believe me. Now, look back at this. Jesus says, you unbelieving and perverse generation. He puts unbelief with perversion in the same category. Now I looked up what it means to be perverse, and one of the definitions is the opposite from the shape it should be. In other words, uh, God 
created us to naturally believe. And when we don't believe, that's perverse. It's, it's, it's different from the shape that we should have. We were created in the image of God, but when we don't believe, we take a different shape, an unnatural shape. You see, it's natural for us to believe. It's twisted and perverted when we don't believe. So when we don't believe, that's why we feel so bad, because it's unnatural for us. But when we do believe, it feels so good, so natural, so normal to believe God. See, God created us to believe him. A spirit-led person enters that natural state of just believing God. So the spirit of God leads you to believe the Lord's promises. You know what it is when you doubt or don't believe, you know what that produces, right? It produces worry. As soon as you doubt God, you immediately begin to worry. So let the Holy Spirit lead you to a restful, trusting place of just believing God. So how did Jesus help this man overcome his unbelief? He went ahead and just delivered his son. He went ahead and cast the demon out. So God works in spite of our tendency to doubt, just like he helped Thomas in his unbelief. Isn't that good how God works in us? In spite of our doubt, in spite of our unbelief, he goes ahead and does the miracle. He goes ahead and takes care of us. And that helps us grow in our experience with God. So little by little, we get more and more experiences where God came through and then we begin to naturally believe God. We believe him instantly, naturally, effortlessly. And so my reaction every time I have a problem now should be, God is just going to take care of it. I'm just going to believe God. Praise the Lord. So Jesus answers his disciples' question, though. Remember, the disciples came to him and said, why couldn't we cast out the demon? And he said, because you have so little faith in God. What he was telling them is, you need to disconnect yourself from your other sources and start connecting yourself exclusively to God. And when you do that, you will naturally and normally believe God. It's time to stop thinking that God is going to take a long time to answer our prayers. You know what? Supernatural miracles should be the be ordinary for Christians everywhere, every time. Well, let's move on from this. Abraham not only believed God, but it says that God went ahead and credited his belief as righteousness. Now, this word credited is actually an accounting term, and I'm an accountant, so I kind of get this. This word credited is an accounting term, and, and one of the definitions of credited in the original uh, language that was written uh, in the Hebrew was imputed. Now, this is an interesting word. To impute means it was ascribed because one person had it. It was by virtue of a quality, a quality that was in another person. That's imputed. It's in me, therefore it's in you. And what this means is because Jesus has righteousness, you have righteousness too. It was credited. Because Jesus is all-powerful, 
you have power as well because Jesus is strong. It's credited to you and you can be strong as well because Jesus is righteous. You are righteous because Jesus heals. You are healthy because Jesus has mercy. You are forgiven. See this imputed because Jesus has it. You have it as well. The only thing that's required there is that you believe that you're connected to Jesus by your faith. Jesus loves you. Therefore, you're able to love as well. So uh, since righteousness cannot be taken away from Jesus, your righteousness can't be taken away either. He's given righteousness into your account, into your soul. You, he's righteous, therefore you're righteous. Now, I love this example. If someone you know were to put a $1,000 into your bank account, you could go ahead and deny it and not believe it, but that $1,000 would be there, whether you believed it or not. Well, it's the same thing. God has put righteousness into your soul if you believe God. He's put it into your soul. You may not feel righteous. You may not act righteous. But guess what? God's righteousness is inside of you. Praise God. All it takes is to believe God. I love that because Abraham believed God. God gave him righteousness. So we read on in verse 7 of Genesis 15. He said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. Now, boy, this, this, this verse is just chuck full of powerful meaning for you and for me. So let's just kind of unpack it and look at it real quick. He says, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, I love this term brought. Okay, it's the same, it's the same concept that was uh, spoken of. The good Samaritan took that man who was beat up in Jesus' parable and he put him on his donkey and he brought him to the inn to be cared for by the innkeeper. That's what Jesus has done for us. He picks us up and brings us to where we need to be. He carries us to where he need to be. There was Abraham. Now, of the Chaldeans, if you'll recall, is just northwest of the Persian Gulf, northwest of Kuwait, and in the southern part of modern-day Iraq. And God took Abraham uh, when he was still with his father, Terah, and carried him a thousand miles, brought him up to Haran, which is in modern-day Turkey, on this, almost on the Syrian border, carried him there, and when Terah wouldn't go all the way to Canaan, God took Abram and carried him to Canaan. God wants to bring you from where you are to a new place, a wide place, a blessed place. He brings us. I love that. So he brought Abram from Ur of the Chaldeans with a purpose of giving him that land, of giving him Canaan, the promised land, so that Abram could take possession of it. All right, so when God gives you something, you need to receive it. God gives, I receive. Now, the person who believes, we've been talking about believing, okay? The person who believes actually sees themselves very differently from other people, okay? The person who believes understands that they were created to do nothing more 
than just receive. Say you're you're a, a spiritual bowl, and you see yourself that way, and you say, "I'm empty. I want to receive, receive, receive from God." All right, and because they're made that way, they begin to see their purpose as just receiving and then overflowing from everything that they've received. They realize that absolutely nothing can be independently manufactured within themselves personally, but all the raw materials, the talents, the gifts, the resources, they come exclusively from God. You see, they realize, they're enlightened uh, to to understand that there's no such thing as a self-made success, no such thing as a self-made millionaire. All I have comes from God. And all I can do is receive. And this epiphany, then they begin to also understand not only about something about themselves, but also about God as well. If I'm a receiver, that means God is the giver of all good things. And every good and perfect gift comes from him. And most importantly, that God never, ever stops giving He gives daily. He gives hourly. He gives by the minute. There's a constant stream of good things that flows from him to me every second of every day. And you know what this is called? This is called grace. I don't deserve it, but God has constantly given me. And all I need to do is take the lid off of my bowl, my spiritual bowl, that lid of doubt, that lid of self-sufficiency, Take it off so that I can begin to perpetually receive from God and overflow. Now, when I start reaching the brim of receiving all the good things from God, I don't want to stop there. I want to keep receiving so that I'll overflow with God's blessing. God's gifts of goodness are poured out into our lives even though we don't deserve it. So Abraham was one of these people that realized all he could do was receive. And he knew that, so he just was constantly receiving from God. So I challenge you, receive, receive, receive. Be a receiver and get everything that you can from God. Be spiritually selfish, if you will. But here's the proof that God always gives. And it's up to us to simply receive. And this set of verses absolutely changed my life. And I believe they'll change yours as well if you'll pay close attention. It's in James 1 verses 5 through 7. Here it says, If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask of God, who gives generously. Do you see that? God gives generously to all without finding fault. So if you say, well, I'm, a, I'm too bad of a person. God won't give to me. Well, it says here, to all. He'll give it to you even if you've been abusive in the past, even if you drink and take drugs, even if you're in prison, even if you've, you're paying the price for a crime, okay? It says here, God will give to you. He'll give you generously wisdom without finding fault in you. And it will be given to you period. It says here in James 1, 5. But when you ask, you must ask believing. You must believe. 
that God is going to give you what you ask for. And have no doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Now pay close attention here. God gives. He's going to give you. But if you doubt, you're not going to receive. See, I used to think if I doubted, God wouldn't give. But that's not the way this reads. God will always give. He'll give even if you doubt. The problem is you won't be able to receive what he's given you. So God gives. I need to pull the lid of doubt off of myself so that I can receive all the goodness that God has to give to me. So listen to this statement. A believer is a receiver. A believer is a receiver. In verse 8 of Genesis 15, Abraham says to God, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of this? He was asking, how can I make sure? I I, want to believe, but can you do something to assure me that this is all really going to happen? And so the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abraham brought them, or Abram brought them, all of these to him. He cut them in two and arranged the halves opposite each other. All right? The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Now, this is a strange thing that Abraham did. Abram did. In our culture, in our time, we don't understand this, but it seems that back in that time, this was a covenant ceremony of that time and of that culture. And what they would do is they would um, cut these unfortunate animals in half and put a, a pathway between them. And the two parties who were entering into contract would walk in between the two uh, animals that had been cut in half. And what, what the representation was is, may this be done to me as it's been done to these animals if I don't keep my part of, my, of this contract that I've entered into. And so God was saying, if, if I don't keep my promise to you, Abraham, it's all on me. I am going to keep my promise. But look at this. In verse 11 of Genesis 15, it says that birds of prey came down on these carcasses of these animals that have been cut in half, but Abraham or Abram drove them away. And that's what happens as soon as God promises you something. He says, you know what? Your, your sickness is not going to end in death, or this financial crisis is not going to end in disaster, or your marriage is not going to end in divorce. What happens? Immediately, birds of prey come into your mind, so to speak, doubt, questions, uh, lies. They swoop down and they try to take the promise of God away from you. You've got to drive your doubts away. You've got to drive those lies away. If God has promised something, he is going to keep his promise. Verse 12, as the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep and a thick, dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. And so what he was talking about here is that his descendants, Israel, 
would be uh, enslaved in Egypt for 400 years, but then they would come out and that his descendants would come and take possession of the land that God had promised, the land that Abram was in at that point in time. And so in verse 18, it says, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to your descendants, I give this land. And he gave the parameters, the borders of that land that extended to the north all the way to the Euphrates River, down to uh, to where the border with Egypt was, the Mediterranean, and then to where modern-day Jordan is, is today. You know what? God's covenant is God's solemn, sovereign assurance to you that God himself is going to make it happen for you. You just need to listen to him. You need to believe him. And if you believe him, you're going to be able to receive from him. So I pray that this is this is a blessing to you. Learn to receive from God. Just open your heart, open your soul, and receive what he has to give you. He wants to give you something new and fresh every day of your life. Let me pray with you real quick, my friend. God, I just pray right now, Jesus, for that that person who's listening right now, Jesus, that this message would be a blessing to them, that they would learn to believe you, that when you say something, you mean it, that you're going to bring it to pass. Lord, drive away doubt and discouragement. Lord, drive away unbelief. Lord Jesus, help us to stand for nothing less than your, the fulfillment of your promises. Help us to be like Abram that naturally believed God because he was spirit-led. In your name I pray, amen.